0: Welcome to the podcast of Finchley Progressive Synagogue. My name is Rabbi Neil Janes and I'm the Rabbi of Finchley Progressive Synagogue. More information about the synagogue can be found on our website www.fps.org. And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. If ever there was a verse that was to forewarn us of the most confusing and frightening stories in the Torah... It was this one. I must admit that reading Parashat Vayera this week, a portion in which Abraham endangers the life of both Ishmael and Isaac, one cannot but help hear the silent voice of the child. If it does nothing else, it makes us ever more aware of the vulnerability of a child's life at the hands of their relatives. Last year, a small group of brave individuals studied the book of Job on a Wednesday night at the synagogue. This is a book which forces us to confront the most troubling aspects of life, the plight of an innocent man in the face of untold suffering. In our studies, we read the voice of Elihu, the fourth person to offer an explanation for the fate of Job, who has lost his entire family and house. And Elihu seems to suggest that the suffering Job experiences is a test, a teaching tool to improve Job's standing in the face of God and in the face of the rest of society. Saadia Ga'on, one of the first Jews to write a specifically philosophical book, also writes a commentary on the book of Job, which he calls the book of theodicy. In his writing, he prefers the character of Job to that of Abraham as an example of the purpose of divine test, even though Abraham tends to be the primary focus of rabbinic literature. Saadia writes that a divine trial can have three purposes. It can either be a means of punishment for something that has been done, Of course, this is unsatisfactory for the figure of Job, who, we are told in the prologue, is innocent. It can be an opportunity for the righteous to show their devotion to God. And finally, it can be a way to show others the rest of society, one's worthiness of divine favour. It is this latter explanation which Saadia seems to prefer. Job has been the recipient of divine favour in amassing wealth and family. In the face of the loss of both and his health, he maintains his righteousness and faith. And demonstrates to others how worthy he was in the first place to receive God's bounteous blessing. It is surely from a midrash about Abraham that Saadia gets this idea. The midrash, a rabbinic commentary on the books of the Bible, makes a play on the word nes, meaning trial, and the play is to interpret it as meaning a banner or an ensign on a ship. According to this midrash, Abraham is tested because of an accusation from Hasatan, satan the accuser. And through Abraham's obedience and faithfulness to God, he is able to show the world his worthiness and teach them the right way to be, like a billboard or sign. For Saadia, though, Job is a better example of the trial of God because he is never aware, even at the end, that he is facing a trial. He is also a non-Jew and therefore fulfils a philosophically important feature. He has universal meaning everyone can suffer and everyone can face a trial from God. What Sadia doesn't really come to terms with though is the protestations of Job on account of his suffering. Whereas Abraham is silent, not even a word of questioning comes forth from his lips, Job on the other hand spends a great deal of the book protesting his innocence, demanding to present his case before the judge, requesting fair trial. As a person experiencing extreme suffering, It seems to me that Job is far more realistic and human a response. Perhaps that makes him less righteous than Abraham, as some rabbinic texts argue. I rather feel that Job is just one of a long list of texts which articulate protest against God, which call God to account. More than Abraham's plea on account of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is also in Parashat Vayewa, because Sodom and Gomorrah do not directly affect Abraham, He wasn't there to experience the suffering himself, and his family who lived there were saved. When it comes to Abraham's trial of the Akedah, he is silent. He utters not a word, and it feels like some of his humanity is lost in his silence. Why won't he say something? We want to cry out. Rabbi Professor Neil Gilman argues that the question would have been unanswerable. How could God answer the question we wish Abraham would have asked? Is effectively what he claims in his book, Traces of God. Gilman basically says that in the silence and the fulfilment of the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, with Abraham's obedience and God's staying hand, the two, Abraham and God, become more deeply established in the trusting covenantal relationship than would have been possible had either Abraham argued or God not stopped the sacrifice. But we are not Abraham. We live in a time where unimaginable suffering and devastation has been wrought on human lives, destruction that it would have been inconceivable for any biblical author to have written about, Job's protest of his pain and anguish is closer to our likely human response than Abraham's willing acceptance of God's trial. Of course, from a personal theological point of view, I find Sa'dir's explanation of trials as unsatisfactory. It offers a convenient resolution to the existence of suffering, covering all possible avenues. If you are bad, it's punishment. If you aren't bad but poor, then it's a chance to show your righteousness to God. If you aren't bad but rich, then it's a chance to also show right behaviour to the rest of the world. I'm much more circumspect about reasons for suffering. The truth is, I think there are things that happen in life for which we either do not have access to the explanation, why me, or there is not even an answer. Throughout the book of Job, there is a repeated attack on the emptiness of words and the multiplication of empty words. The author seems to say that words, though the best means by which we have to explain the world around us, will never satisfactorily explain the suffering of life. So what is our response to suffering? Should we protest? Absolutely. Biblical characters, rabbinic teachings, medieval teachings, Hasidic teachings, protest has been a staple part of the Jewish response to inexplicable pain throughout history. Is God responsible? It is unlikely. I'm somewhat in line with Maimonides on this one. Maimonides would argue that we cannot possibly know God's mind or understand God's actions and it is tantamount to idolatry to suggest otherwise. Along with that, I am not a believer in the interventionist, man in the clouds with a big white beard, who meddles in my life, making it harder or better. We make of life with its trials and tribulations, successes and celebrations, what we can as individuals and in our communities. I think it far more likely that God weeps when we inflict hurt on one another, or is sorrowful when we are afflicted with suffering, than is causing the pain in the first place. Finally, The response to suffering which many writers on the book of Job argue for, both Robert Gordis and Kenneth Seaskin, professors of philosophy and religion, share this view. The book, they argue, is not about God. It is about us. It is about the way in which we treat one another when confronted with the heart-wrenching story of one man's life. In the book of Job, we read of three friends who attempt to comfort him with words of solace. All they end up doing is telling Job that he must have committed some horrendous sins to warrant such a punishment. As we read their accusations, we come to the conclusion that with friends like these, who needs enemies? There was little compassion. There was certainly no comfort. They are wrong. And for that reason, Seaskin and Gordis and others view the book as a challenge to our humanity, The human response to those suffering, to those who feel tested, is the measure of society. We are judged in our behaviour as we react to the unbelievable and inexplicable suffering of our fellow human beings. If we become insensitive and divorce ourselves from compassion towards the lives of others, if we do not appreciate the scandal of inexplicable suffering, if we consider ourselves to be so clever as to make arrogant claims about God's ways, if we feel no indignation then we have failed as individuals, and the victory is with the accuser. In the words of Job, we are but dust and ashes. Let us pray that for the few fragile moments we are put on this earth, we make an impact on it for better, and that we may be blessed with understanding and compassion, and friends and family who are understanding and compassionate. So may our suffering seem lessened, and our joy greater. May this be God's will. Amen. been listening to the podcast from Finchley Progressive Synagogue. More information about the synagogue can be found on the synagogue website www.fps.org.